Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. In a world where very few people embrace their global identity and seek to understand their neighbors, cross-cultural expert Tayo Roxon is on a mission to bridge this divide. Each week, he'll open your mind with insights from some of the global minds in the world. Get ready, take some notes, and learn how to be the best you that you can be. Welcome everybody to another episode of As Told by Nomads. Today's guest is Danny Flood. And Danny is the author of five best-selling books, including By Your Own Island, which we'll be talking about throughout the, the podcast today. That is a book that he wishes he had written when he graduated college. Danny has traveled to over 30 countries and is currently based in Thailand. He also publishes a magazine called Open World, which inspires people to find more passion and purpose in life. Welcome to the show, Danny. Hey, Teo. I really appreciate you, and I'm so glad that we connected, man. It's been great. No, the pleasure is mine, and I'm really excited to talk about your story, your journey, and what led to every cool thing that you're doing right now. Can you give the audience some context into as to who you are and why you do what you do? Yeah, sure. So I'm, I'm pretty much classically unemployable, as uh, a lot of people these days. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ever since I was young, I've never had a job for more than a month or so. Either I get bored or I get fired, even when I'm trying not to. <laughs> uh, so I was an entrepreneur since a young age. My father was an entrepreneur and kind of brought me up that way. Uh, but I never kind of had the skills, obviously, because there's no training you can really get as an entrepreneur. Um, so like ever since I was like eight years old, you know, he trained me to go knock on doors around our condo complex and offer to take up people's trash for tips and and then, like, Pogs came around. Do you remember Pogs? Yeah, I do. And then we were actually, like, making these Pogs. You know, like, my father encouraged us to do this. And we'd, like, go to restaurants and, like, try to hustle people, you know, like, 10 Pogs for a dollar. You know, it's a great deal. These other people only give you nine Pogs for a dollar. And uh, <laughs> so we, he taught me how to sell and do all this stuff from an early age. And then, um, you know, as I grew up, I, I tried a bunch of stuff. I was a wrestling coach. I was a Taekwondo instructor. I did Muay Thai in Thailand. I studied tango in Argentina. Um, you know, wearing a bunch of hats and kind of seeing what meshed with me. I, I got a degree in advertising and then started a business after college. Uh, almost killed myself in my business. I say that, you know, metaphorically. 
uh, and I realized like, you know, this isn't the life that I want to create here. I'm chasing these arbitrary moving targets and I kind of had to step back and really define what I wanted. And, uh, yeah, I did some, you know, kind of like surgery that way and, uh, began traveling the world, you know, booking one way tickets started out small. I wanted to do mini retirements and then I traveled three months, six months. Uh, and now I've been traveling for like two and a half years living abroad. So can you take me back to that moment when you realized that you were going to actually travel the world? Because you touched on it there a little bit. But the reason why I want you to take me back there is because a lot of people have that thought, actually, in their, in, their, in their mind. I want to travel, but I don't have time. I want to travel, but I don't have the money. But you, classically unemployed, as you described yourself, were at a crossroads in your life, and you said that you're going to start booking one-way tickets. What was that shift in your mindset? Yeah, man, I have to say, I was like really kind of scared. You know, I was a little wuss bag. <laughs> I didn't know the way to say it because um, I had all these irrational fears. Like, I read this book, you know, for our week, obviously, and um, I would just dream about it. I was like, I want to go to South America, but, you know, what's down there? You know, what will happen to me? What will I eat? You know, I was even scared about what I would eat down there. It was so crazy. <laughs> All these irrational fears that I had, you know, like I'm, I don't like a lot of meat, you know, Argentina, they have a lot of meat. So I was like, will I starve, you know? <laughs> um, and so like, <laughs> fortunately I'm from San Diego, which is pretty close to Mexico. So it was easy for me. I, I used to go to Mexico a lot to surf and, but I really felt listless tail. Like, you know, I, I didn't have my life figured out. I didn't know where to, what direction to begin moving in. So, um, I said, you know, I'll just go down to Mexico and just like live down there for a couple months. I had a friend who was doing that. And, um, I figured if everything went to hell, I, was, I can just drive back, you know? And so I stayed down there for like two months and everything went fine. You know, my pace completely shifted. Um, I wasn't just like spinning the wheels, doing all the regular stuff. I had free time and space to focus and apply myself to what I wanted to do. And I was under the care of this lady who owned this guest house and she traveled around the world. She was an illegal immigrant for a while working in the U S you know, she tried backpacked all over Europe and she was just telling me like, you know, you're a product of your culture. She said that you're focused on things that are happening a thousand miles away, you know, and you forgot to clean the dishes or something like that. <laughs> and, uh, and, and then she would also say, you know, you need to stop worrying about this stuff because you have nothing to lose. You know, she said, Iho, you have nothing to lose. And, and then I saw her again like a few years later and I was like, yeah, I get it now. But I'm still pushing the envelope because I came down on my bicycle and I was like, I kind of want to just ride my bicycle across Mexico. And I'm like, I've never done this before. I don't know what the hell is going to happen. And she's like, just go. You know, that's the direction. Just go. <laughs> and I did it. You know, I, I cycled across Baja, California and that was a trip and a half. But you know, she kind of just like gave me that tough love and, and set me straight. You're a product of your own culture. I love that. And yeah. it's <laughs> it, so y you eased your way sort of, you know, into the South American culture, uh, culture, Latin American culture, the, uh, um, you know, you know, the area where a lot of people speak Spanish and people are maybe foreign to you. When you finally made your way down to, you know, the country that you wanted to go to, how did you start connecting with people? Yeah, so that was a tough one. I So after I returned from Mexico, I went to Buenos Aires. I booked a one-way ticket, and I really had no idea what I was doing there. So, But ever since I was on the plane, I, I had a stopover in Mexico City and made a friend on the plane. So it's always great to talk to people, um, you know, if you're shy. But you can talk about anything, really. 
uh, especially during a long flight. And, you know, he invited me to his condo and we had a, a party there with a bunch of his friends and chilled out by the pool. And yeah, I mean, that's the best way is just kind of get over yourself, get over your fear of meeting people, get out of your shell a little bit. When I was um, traveling from the Philippines to Taiwan, I made this, met this guy sitting next to me who became one of my best friends. He lives in Taiwan. He's American. And he invited me uh, to stay at his place for like two weeks. <laughs> he had an extra room there uh, right by the beach. And yeah, it's great, man. I mean, I can't tell you like just how easy it is to meet people when you travel. It's kind of like suspended reality. Um, you know, everyone's kind of looking to meet other people. And there's a lot of great groups like Meetup. Couchsurfing is great. Um, you know, I, I, one trick I do if, if there's a line for the taxis, if I arrive really late and there's like a queue for like 15 minutes for taxis, I'll just wait at the exit and I'll say, Hey, I'm going to this street. Are you going that way? Okay. Let's share a cab. And then I just, boom, I'm wearing a, we're jumping in the cab, but people would rather just, you know, wait in line for 20 minutes rather than just talk to a stranger and share a cab. So, you know, you just kind of got to get over that, that natural shyness. So it's, you know, it's you making friends on the plane, seeking companions in cabs um and just looking for ways to connect yeah kind of i think that first it's like mental though um so i really like to street dance for example and you know i'm fine with like going out in public and street dancing and getting out of my comfort zone but (laughs) you know so many people especially like here in asia for example um you know there's so much social pressure like i have to save face i have to but everyone looks so serious and they're all just like looking at their phones all the time and look depressed and just spinning the wheels. And, you know, I don't desire to fit in to conform to, to be mediocre. I want to live my life. I want to enjoy my life. And sometimes that means, you know, putting myself out there and, you know, opening myself to potential criticism or judgment. In that same vein, you help people find more passion, love and freedom in their lives with your magazine, Open World. Before we get into the ways you do that, when did you launch Open World? Yeah, sure. So it's been almost two and a half years now. I was writing a book at the time, and the book, uh, I'd written that for, it took over a year to publish. It took a long time, but the book, the blog is kind of an extension of that. And it grew from about 200 to 300 visits the first month to over 16,000, almost 17,000 within one year. And uh, which is a decent number. I mean, it's not huge. Um, but yeah, I was I was traveling. Basically, I was doing all these cool things around the world and I was fulfilling all these pleasures that I had, you know, all these different adventures. I rode a motorbike across Vietnam. I took a sailboat, you know, sailing around islands in the South China Sea. And I realized I was doing all these things to make myself happy. And I was in Bangkok and I happened to chance upon this book. And it was like a, it was like a picture book, like for kids almost, you know, it was Tony Shea's book but it was like a simplified version with pictures and it was called delivering happiness. Um, and it just talked about these three P's of happiness, like, uh, pleasure, passion, and purpose. And so pleasure is the easiest to acquire, but it's the shortest lived. Uh, passion is stronger. It's like, you know, playing an instrument or performing on stage, but it lasts a little bit longer. So it's something that you identify with. And then, uh, purpose is like hardest to attain. It takes maybe your whole life. Maybe it takes a decade or, you know, what have you, but it's also the longest lasting. It gives you a firm uh, sense of comfort and um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? So, so there's all these things, but then I talked to another person. And he said there's a fourth level, which is your essence. 
Mm. And your essence is just how you show up every day. I talked to my friend Michael Kosteros, and he organizes his ayahuasca retreats to Peru. And that's what he told me. He says, your essence is just being showing up at every moment, having the courage to be human and having the courage to love, to laugh, to, um, you know, get hurt every now and then. And so those are kind of the four levels of happiness as I understand them. And as I travel, I kind of realize that, you know, life is really a gray area. There's no like fixed absolutes or, tr or fixed truths. And so I'm just trying to do my best to discover what's out there. And so the magazine and what I work on is really about lifestyle discovery, you know, seeing, uh, exploring this path of growth and, and peak potential, bringing out your fullest potential. I, I really, really love and identify with that because essentially what you're doing is teaching people how to earn their freedom, you know, whether it's by earning money, you know, to become their own boss, but you do it on a much deeper level. Like you're teaching them to take control of their lives. You're, you're teaching them to be empowered, to be inspired, to be responsible. And my favorite thing is to be enlightened world citizens, which is the premise of what this podcast is. It, it, in your journey with uh, Open World Magazine as you've grown the audience, as you've, you've met all these cool people, as you've covered all these adventurers and entrepreneurs and, and inspirational leaders, what are some skill sets that you can distill on, onto the audience so that people can take control of their lives, so people can become better world citizens, and so, so that people can say, hey, I could be my own boss? Yeah, I think the most important skill is just learning. You know, there's, there's no... If I'm not learning, then I'm not growing, and I'm not improving upon myself. I'm not improving upon the past, you know? Mm -hmm. So if, if you can learn how to learn, I think that's the most valuable skill you can have. Well, how did you, how did you learn how to learn? <laughs> I knew <laughs> you were going to ask me I got to <laughs> push back. I, I, I want to I dig deeper into that. How did you, how did you learn how to learn? Okay. What, what are your ways? Uh, this is a really loaded question. So there's many levels to this question. Um, Okay, I'll just start throwing stuff out there. So there's one thing called the learning pyramid. Mm -hmm. And the learning pyramid says that we retain about 10% of what we read. We retain 90% of what we teach. And then there's a whole bunch of other levels, you know. Um, so whether those numbers are true or not, I'm not sure. But I think that a, a, one mistake I made and I think a lot of people make is that they'll read a bunch of books, but they never apply any of the information. So if I find something... And by the way, I'm very careful about my information intake. I want to make sure that I'm learning from people who are actually, you know, winning on a big level. Mm -hmm. And and when if I learn something that's really useful, I won't change anything. You know, if someone hands me off a template, I'll just do it, not ask questions, and I'll start discussing it. Like I'll start sharing it with people. I'll start posting it. I'll send an email to my friends and saying, "Look, this is amazing. I'm going to do this." Um, you know, I'll start talking about it. I'll start teaching other people. I like to to teach and, and send an email to my mailing list, for example. Um, and then I also find it's useful. I have a mastermind group that meets once a month, and then we have uh, weekly accountability partners. So we'll say, this is what I'm going to do this week, uh, and then we have to check in every week and say, this is what I did do or what I didn't do, my personal life, my work life. And I devote every Friday to prioritizing learning and uh, evaluating the systems that I'm using in my business and seeing how I can do better. Like, for example... We connected on Instagram, so I'll look at you know new software that I can use for Instagram. How can I grow my audience faster? And every Friday, I'll prior prioritize that so I continue to learn, so I keep improving each week. So basically, you're saying you know we have to take a step, take it a step further from reading and find a way to apply what we've done and teach it to someone else, which is something that I love, by the way. But you, you know, in, in your in your case, 
a lot of people fall into the trap of reading 20 books or something like that. And in the process, they lose sight of actually taking action. You are taking it a step further and teaching people, whether it's with your mastermind, whether it's with your audience, and you're creating this into blog posts, into courses, and then turning that into how-to resources that you give um, your audience. Teo, there was a book, um, I think it's called The Art of Learning by Josh Whiteskin, I want to say. And what you just said reminded me of something from that book. It talks about, um, there was this this guy, Josh Whiteskin, who, uh, he's a chess prodigy when he was a kid. And the reason he advanced so quickly, advanced so much faster than all of the chess masters was because when he was learning chess, he was taught how to checkmate the king. Those, that was all he studied at first. And usually when most people uh, learn how to play chess, for example, they'll start with the opening moves, they'll learn what the bishop does, they'll learn how to move the knight, how to control the center. But he focused on the main goal, the main result of chess, which is to get a checkmate. And that's how he became so good, because that's how all he practiced. While everyone else was doing it the conventional way, they were working their way up the ranks. And so what you just said kind of reminded me of, you know, people want to associate with things like travel. They want to associate with things like being an entrepreneur. And there's all these communities that form as a result. So people become addicted to that identity. They become addicted to the struggle of trying to make it. And they forget what the actual target is in the first place. They forget that the, the point is to checkmate the king. So people become more identity-oriented rather than they become results-oriented. And so for me, like, I really try to be, uh, I like to try to challenge myself to set these meaningful goals and find ways that I can reverse engineer from that checkmate and get that in the best time possible, make an efficient use of my resources. And so, for example, like I was listening to a podcast with Peter Diamandis last week, and, and he would say things like, how can you take your 10-year goal and accomplish it in six months? So if you're forced to have this kind of time constraint, it suddenly throws everything out the window and you've got to plan and do things differently. That's, uh, that's brilliant. And I, I, love, I love the fact, that analogy actually, the checkmate. You know, People should focus on ways they can checkmate. And I'm going to actually ask you to tell the audience how you, you can checkmate people because I know you do two things. <laughs> I, 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 I'm putting you on the spot. But one is... Can you teach the audience how to checkmate the email strategy? Because I know you know how to hack email. And then the other one is sleep. Uh, this is something I would be particularly listening to. I'm not the best sleeper. But um, I want to know how you can tell the audience um, the best way they can hack email so they can build their unstoppable brand. And then we'll talk about sleep after. Um, in the book, there's a lot of apps, there's tools. I talk about how to construct a good email. Um, I see a lot of bad email outreach, you know, people hitting me up all the time. And, um, and it's really strange because there's these platforms like Instagram and Reddit and, you know, people just aren't reaching out the right way or they think that they're entitled to send you a 10 page long email and you have to answer them, you know, (laughs) right away. (laughs) And so, (laughs) so, so a couple of tricks I like to do, for example, I think that the subject line of an email should always be very positive. Um, this is called anchoring. So you want to anchor yourself to feelings of pleasantness um, and, and to keep the email really light and you know, be very complimentary uh, because you want people to welcome correspondence from you every time they get an email. You know, The moment that they see an email from you and they start to shudder, you're, you're doing it wrong. You've, you've lost already. So, for example, if you had an uh, email that started like accident or danger or warning, As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. 
But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. And people are going to like, you know, their heart's going to skip a beat. So do the opposite. You know, say, say things like, be grateful for people. Like I opened this podcast, I said, I'm grateful for you, Teo. Say thank you. You know, I, I love your work. Uh, you know, compliment something specific. Show that you actually read their blog or you read their books. Mm. You know, people people really love to get that kind of feedback. Oh, that's good. So positivity, which is something that, that that I always talk about, but I think it's a lost. I think people underestimate the power of positivity a lot, and and what that could do. And we live in a world that's so negative. You know, you turn on the news, you're basically hearing about someone dying or a bomb here or something there, and we become desensitized with the actual power of what positivity is. So flipping the script yeah. and turning that into an email and saying, oh my goodness, this is a good way to start. Five reasons to smile today. Something like that. Like an email like that. With that subject line. That could yeah. uh, ultimately help. Or how your podcast episode helped me change or change my life. I'm just thinking of email topics at the top of my head. But those are <laughs> those are different ways that I, you know, taken from what you said could be interesting ways to connect to people through email. Yeah, and that's exactly it. I mean, it doesn't matter who it is. You know, it could be the number one podcast on iTunes, for example. As long as you can make someone's day by writing a really great email and showing how your work has, or their work has impacted you, you know, and, and just showing your appreciation, showing your gratitude. The more that you show your gratitude, the more it comes back to you and the more you have to be grateful for. And... I need to apologize in advance because I have a lot of, you know, really good tactics in that book, but I don't have it up right now. So <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. If, if you if you all want to check uh, check the book, make sure you you head over to openworld doc openworldmag.com and he's got a lot of his books over there. It's written it's written six. So be sure to check yeah. it out. Be sure to check yeah, it out. Yeah, so it's it's two ninety nine and um, there's a lot of little hacks like that. Um, I just had one reminder of another one. Um, if you don't get an email back from someone. The, the subject line I use often is, uh, did you get this email? Or maybe I'll put like a you know, R-E before it, did you get this email? And suddenly they're like, wait, did I miss something? You know? <laughs> and, but it, I think you kind of like, if, if you have something good to offer, you should set the expectation that you 
um, you expect a response. You expect a reply back. Yeah. And sometimes people are busy too. I get cold emails all the time and sometimes I just forget to answer them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What, what about mm. sleep? That's another thing that you, you, uh, you talk about a lot. How can we hack sleep? <laughs> okay, you're putting me on the spot again here. Uh, did you have a specific question or uh, issue that you're struggling with now? Because you mentioned that you're having trouble. Um, it's just going to, going to bed faster. Fun. That that's really the <laughs> that's the key thing. Just making sure, like I I'm not up at three, and then oh gosh, I wake up at six. I'm like oh my goodness, this is another. So you typically you're going to bed around three, right? Three, two, yeah. Do you find that you have a lot going on in your life? Because I know you live in New York, and you must be rushing around a lot. Yeah, I mean, I'm always doing something. If it's editing an episode, if it's going writing a speech, or traveling, or interviewing, or just is something always around, you know, a project. Yeah. So, so it sounds like it might be something psychological. Um, you know, sleep sleep is so complex that it occurs on so many different levels. It's neurological. It it's affected by hormones. It's affected by your psychology. Um, if you're very busy, I don't know if you're doing any kind of relaxation techniques. I try to practice breathing exercises. You know, if I'm having trouble falling asleep, I'll do, uh, I'll breathe for at least three seconds and then, you know, breathe three seconds out, sometimes five seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, if I wake up in the middle of the night, it's, it's never good to stay awake. You know, um, so after like 20, 30 minutes, I have a get up rule where, I'll go do something else. I'll go out for a walk. I'll take a shower, go get something to eat, and then I'll come back and then try to get another nap in. That often helps a lot. Um, if you're having trouble falling asleep, you can try to do some hacks. Um, light exposure is very important. So getting lots of daylight during the daytime. As soon as you wake up in the morning, even if you feel like you didn't wake up on the right side of the bed, get up and expose yourself to sunlight because that starts your body clock off and your body clock needs to be synchronized constantly because it's not exactly 24 hours. It tends to be 24 and a half to 26 and a half hours. Mm. So get, get light as soon as you wake up. Get sunlight around noon because that's when it's strongest. You can get the most light. And when light enters into your eyes, it goes into the ascending reticular activating system, which basically makes you awake. And it releases serotonin in the brain, which actually becomes melatonin to help you sleep at night. And another way, if you don't have enough melatonin production at night, is I like to eat pineapple because studies show that pineapple can boost melatonin production about 250%. Bananas can also boost melatonin production, but you need to eat a lot of bananas because it's not as good as pineapple. Um, And then, yeah, keep all electronics off at night. I like to use candles at home or just keep the lights really low so that you just signal to your brain that it's time to rest, time to relax. And any relaxation techniques that can reduce stress and reduce cortisol in the mind because cortisol is a chemical. It's a stress hormone, and that can keep you awake as well. Oh, I love that. I already pinpointed the the problem with my pattern. It's the fact that I have a lot of electronics around me all the time. You know, if it's not my phone, it's my iPad, and I'm just working on something. And that's around, <laughs> like, midnight or something. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I got to respond to this. I got to do this. I got this app open. I got that open. I'm watching this. I'm watching that. So... I can see. I can see already one of the problems right there. Have you heard of flux? Flux? No, I haven't. Okay, a lot of people install flux on their laptop. I think you can. I think you can install it on your phone and your iPad as well. But what flux does is it's a free download, free software download. I think it's justgetflux.com. And what it does is it filters out the blue light from your electronics. 
So blue light is actually the strongest of spectrum. And uh, it filters out the blue light from your screen so that it, the electronics actually trick your brain into you know, staying awake. And that can definitely affect your sleep. So uh, a lot of people use like these, these red-tinted glasses at night, too. Right. So you live in, in New York. I live in Bangkok. There's all these bright lights on at night. And interestingly enough, Teo, we actually sleep on average an hour less per night than we did 100 years ago. And the culprit is electronic lighting. <laughs> it's interesting. That is so interesting because we, we do live in those big cities where the lighting is everywhere. Um, okay, okay. So now I'm going to take all this into into uh, my <laughs> my lab and then marinate on this. And while I'm, I got one more for you oh, if you like. Please go shoot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't have my book up here, so I'm just going off memory. But um, there was a scientist. I think his name was Piron, and about 80 or 90 years ago. Uh, he hypothesized that there was some kind of sleep toxin that accumulated when we're awake. And so to t- test his hypothesis, what he would do is he would keep these dogs awake by walking them through the streets of Paris every night. And the dogs are just exhausted. So he would actually take uh, fluid from their spine and inject it into these other dogs who were healthy. And he thought, well, will this, this fluid from these dogs put these other dogs to sleep? And in fact, it did. And so he wrote this big you know, hypothesis about the sleep toxin. And it wasn't until about uh, 60 or 70 years later that we understood what this was. And it's actually called adenosine. And adenosine is a really interesting thing. And it has a symbiotic relationship with how productive you are, which is very interesting to me. So sometimes I think that I'm actually being really busy during the daytime so I can put myself out at night. And what adenosine does is it it corresponds to the activity levels of the brain's neurons. So, for example, if you take a really difficult test, you feel exhausted afterwards. If you drink coffee, it actually blocks adenosine, interestingly enough. So adenosine is kind of like this fatigue hormone. And the more active you are during the daytime, the better you're going to sleep. The more adenosine you're going to accumulate in your brain, the better you're going to sleep at night. So ways you can do this is, um, you know, I like to, to... during my daytime, I like to categorize my work into three different levels, like level one work, level two work, level three work. And level one work is really, really hard. And so um, there's this thing called the circadian rhythm where um, it, it peaks at 10 a.m. and about 5, 6 p.m. So I align my day to the circadian rhythm and try to swallow the frog, you know, get my most difficult task done every day at the right times of my circadian rhythm. And the circadian rhythm dips around 3 p.m., so that's when I'll take a nap. But anyway, adenosine, you know, the more like meaningful work that you do, it can help you fall asleep at night, interestingly. Wow. It's, uh, thank you. Thank you for the education. <laughs> uh, the yeah. last, the, the, that's really something I feel like um, I need to study more. So I'll definitely be looking forward to, to reading more of your book. And the yeah. Last, yeah, so go ahead. You want to say something? Yeah, and it can be like, you know, if you're on a Sunday and you want to be lazy, go work out instead, you know, because if, if you just sit around all day, it's going to be harder to sleep at night, you know. So it's, it seems like some of those things are just really obvious. Mm-hmm. But I, I find it helpful to actually understand the hormonal process that's happening inside of your body. And that's really when you can kind of look at it like a scientist, look at it analytically and, you know, see where you're at. Um, every time I wake up in the morning, I, I don't have to – I no longer have to say, do I feel like crap or do I feel great now? <laughs> Because I know that a sleep cycle is 90 minutes. A one-all trade-in cycle is 90 minutes. And I can say, this is the time I went to sleep. This is the time I woke up. If I get six hours, I'm good. And then I can take a 30-minute nap around 3 p.m. If I got you know, four and a half hours of sleep, I know I need to take another nap around 12 or, or so. Um, 
And so like, I really find it helpful when you can take an abstract process like sleep and break it down into specific things that you can measure and that you can manage. Awesome, awesome. And um, Nomads, ladies and gentlemen listening, if you want to get the book, Hack Sleep, Hack Email, you can get that at openworldmag.com. And now to the book you wish you had written when you graduated college, By Your Own Island. Explain. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so I'll give you the official spiel first. So um, By Your Own Island is, you know, what is it? It's a metaphor, basically. Uh, and the, in the book, I lead off an introduction about these guys who said, uh, this guy, Heinen, I want to say, uh, he, he and a few friends basically found this island for sale on Kijiji. It's a Canadian version of Craigslist. And he said, he emailed a few friends and said, hey, I found this island. Let's set up our own country and see what we can build on there. And I think it was about $100,000, give or take. And each one pitched in, and you know, a week later, they were standing on their very own island. And so I thought that was a perfect way to summarize up everything that I wanted to say in this book. Because he wrote that it's remarkable how these huge lifelong goals that we've had since childhood can be practical and achievable and made to happen in just a matter of weeks. And so that's really what my book is about. It starts out with the inner game and talking about how to define, how to set your dream goals, how to ensure that you can make them happen and how you can take goals that you might have in five years or 10 years, might be if it's travel, for example, how can you make it happen in three to six months? And that's really all I talk about in the book. And I have so much meat in there. It's over 300 pages of specific things that you can try. You know, it's like a Swiss army knife of a book. It's a reference book that you can say, okay, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. I want to build my lifestyle business. And I have you know, I think eight different examples of people who are doing these really incredible things that a lot of people want to do. Yeah, that's that's phenomenal. And people can obviously get this. Why are you so interested in, in just writing? Because you write a lot. I mean, you're 30, right? Yes, I'm 30. I, I'm loath to say, but I feel really young for 30, Tail. You know, I don't feel no, like I, I'm I was saying that in a young way because you've written six books by by the age of 30. That's that's incredible. Yeah. Six books. Yeah, and I wrote, I published five of them last year, actually. Oh, my gosh. You know, so, so I, I, at the first book, here's the thing, Tao, right? So a rocket ship, when it's about to defy gravity, it expends about 90% of its energy in the initial takeoff. Mm. Once it takes off, the motion becomes almost effortless. So I tell this to other people, you know, if there's something you really want to do, you're going to feel a lot of resistance at first. It's going to be really hard at first, and that's the way it should be. That's normal. You have to push through that. And so I went through this with my first book. I had no idea what I was doing. But once I published that first book, I had a pretty good handle on what I was doing. And then so I, I figured, you know, there's these other topics I want to write about. So it was really easy to me to follow up after that first book and write four more. And like I told you, Teo, I mean, if you want to learn something, you teach it. If you want to learn something, write a book about it. Don't just read a book about it. You know, write a book about it. And then you're going to study like 100 different sources you're going to find the information that you really want, that your reader is going to want too, and focus on that. You create a killer outline without all this fluff. You find all the best stuff out there. You practice it. And then you have a great book on your hands. And so that's exactly what I did with my Hack Sleep book. I studied all this stuff for like eight months. And then I created a book for the layman, you know, who was in my situation a year earlier. I absolutely love it. And you're encouraging action. We're all about action and it's told by nomads. And um, I couldn't agree with you more. Where can people... They're, they're listening right now. I find you. Sure. So I think you mentioned a couple of times openworldmag.com. That's my blog. I also have a digital magazine where I feature a lot of really inspiring people who are 
you know, really bucking the norm, a lot of digital nomads, a lot of people creating lifestyle businesses, finding that purpose and passion in their life. And I have a bunch of lifestyle experiments, you know, on, on my uh, Open World Mag blog. So if you want to avoid doing it the hard way as I did, you know, go read from my experiences. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm really about, you know, trying things outside of the norm, doing things outside of my comfort zone. For example, you asked me about writing and, um, you know, I'm, I'm big on productivity and personal improvement. So I have a lot of stuff on there. I did an experiment where I was, I went on the subway and I just turned it in my office because for some reason I noticed that whenever I'm like on a plane or I'm on a bus or on a train, I'm really productive. And if I'm sitting in a coffee shop, like I'll open up Facebook, I'll open up YouTube and I'm not. So I just like, I'm like, screw this. I'll just go on the subway and I could write like 2000 words in an hour, for example. So I have, you know, experiments I've done like that on the blog. I've got a bunch of other fun stuff, a lot of really cool people that I've interviewed and highlighted. So, Hey, you remind me of, uh, of Tim Ferriss, so keep doing what you're doing <laughs> with, with all these experiments that you keep working on. But um, it's, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure. And, and the last question I always ask, this is going to be another open-ended question, but it's, <laughs> it's the mission statement of what I do. Um, you know, my, my mission statement is use your difference to make a difference. It's, it's my why. It's the reason why I do what I do. It's, it's what leads me to, to you know, really pursue a career in media. So I want to know how you use your difference to make a difference. So I would just like to say, don't be afraid to be weird. You know, I, I'm proud to be weird and to use my weirdness to inspire other people who are like-minded, you know, who are not um, finding that the conventional way of doing things is serving them. Um, I like to tell people that someone else's opinion of you is never more important than your opinion of yourself. So if you can have a really strong opinion of yourself, that's what matters the most at the end of the day. And there are so many ways that you can do this. I mean, you can be grateful for the things that you have in your life and not just a gratitude journal. You can tell people that you're grateful for them. Um, you know, you can uh, get reference experiences, you know, take little small steps outside of your comfort zone and always little reference experiences when you felt tired or you felt like you couldn't do something, but you went and actually did it anyway. Mm -hmm. This is all going to add up. It's all going to help you expand your sphere of, uh, what you think is possible. So for example, I'm doing this podcast on a Sunday evening. I've been running around all weekend. Um, but you know, I've had plenty of times where I was felt like I couldn't do an interview. I had a headache or something like this, but I went and did it anyway. And the interview turned out excellent. So everyone feels that same fear, that same resistance. Um, but if, if you can just prove to yourself that you are that person that you want to be, that you are that inspiring person like you know the gap between who you are now and who you want to be it really isn't that far as you think danny flood encouraging people to be weird and bridging that gap <laughs> bridging that gap between who they are and who they want to be thank you so much it's been it's it's been a true uh pleasure i, I love you know the fact that you're currently and constantly hacking your life and you're you're, you're putting all these experiments and you're actually being vocal about them so i, I love what, what you came on to talk about today i love the fact that you're doing this while you're traveling the world and the fact that your magazine seeks to expand our consciousness about the kind of world and um, people that we can actually be thank you Tao. i'm so glad that you had me here and i'm so glad that we connected it's always a pleasure to Meet someone who's equally weird who can appreciate your weirdness. <laughs> I'm all about the weirdness, baby. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, appreciate it. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads 
podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax. With their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs, you can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.